What up, Square Circle Podcast fans and MOW fans? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and this is still season two of the Square Circle Podcast. Season three starts when I review New Japan Pro Wrestling Wrestle Kingdom Night One, Night Two, in addition to New Japan versus Noah on January 8th. And then also when I review the new episodes of MOW Azteca coming to you live on YouTube at 8 p.m. on January 6th. So that is when season three starts. So I do have a little bit more time to catch up on everything that I have yet to really finish. I was having a very good holiday season. I hope you guys have a holiday season, but I can still say welcome to 2022. Happy New Year to all of my listeners. Thank you for listening to this podcast around the world. Each and every one of you guys mean a lot to me, a lot to this podcast, a lot to the brand. And I highly thank you for listening to my podcast, wherever you are from. Also, just a quick reminder that on Spotify, they have released ratings. So ladies and gentlemen, if you are listening to this podcast episode on Spotify, please make sure to give this episode a rating or give the podcast itself a rating. It is a one or five star rating, whatever you decide to choose. I would love to see it. I would love to know if you gave it a star rating. So please do that if you are listening to this on the Spotify platform. I do have some more plugins, but we'll wait until the very end of this podcast episode for me to plug everything in. And so that way you guys know how to support me, the channel, the podcast episodes and everything that I do. So this podcast episode is going to be a review of MOW Fusion Alpha episode 12. We start off with Arez versus Aramis. This match is for a briefcase filled with lots of money that whoever wins gets all that money. And this is directed by Caesar Duran, who wanted to put this up as an opportunity to showcase their luchadors. And so if you ever heard the first episode of me reviewing MOW Fusion Alpha, I did not like these two in a match at all. Only to find out that this is how Lucha Libre has evolved. And I'm all for the wrestling business and the wrestling style and techniques for evolving. But please have some psychology. Please slow it down. Please make us know that some of the moves would hurt. Especially if you tried out like a kick in real life, like that's going to hurt you. At least make the Lucha Libre look half real, half magical. And luchadors always get the magical part down. But sometimes they're so quick to remember the choreography and the what move do I have to do next and keep hitting move after move after move after move then there's nothing there. Like I need to breathe as a fan because sometimes I get caught up in the magic of it all that sometimes it's like, you got to breathe. That's the same thing with matches. That's why they tell you to sometimes pace yourself during the match. If you have like 10 minutes, you should be fine. You should already know what a 10 minute match should feel. If you have 20 minutes, then pace yourself. If they give you five minutes, then you're going to have to get in your best moves and see if like you get over and you know you take it from there but as a luchador like slow down this new age luchador wrestling is a little too unrealistic for my liking 
And then it sort of hurts me in the process if I am trying to relate to you guys what kind of match it was. And if you missed the match, I can at least do some type of commentary over it. But I don't want my stuff sounding like a laundry list like it was in the past when I was reviewing New Japan Pro Wrestling matches and stuff like that. It will sound like a laundry list. And I definitely appreciate all the commentators I talk to, all of my friends who do commentary, and they gave me that bit of advice. So again, if you are a luchador and I am going over your match, please make sure to remember to just slow things down. Let me tell the story for you through words so that way people can get a bigger understanding and an emotional connection to what you're doing in the ring. And I could just amplify that through storytelling. That is the job of a commentator. And that is the job of being a podcaster. Not all podcasters want to go in depth into talking about matches and breaking it down and finding the story that you guys are trying to have in the ring and for me to amplify it. I love doing that because then it gets more eyes on you and it gets more eyes on the company. And when there's more eyes on both the wrestlers and the company, everyone makes money all around and it is just a fun time no matter what. So again, if anybody out there is listening and you enjoy the way that I break down matches, if you ever listen to my previous catalogs, just do me that favor in the ring and I will be able to tell your story on my podcast so that way people can become a new fan of yours. All right, let me talk about this match because this match was a little bit better than the first meeting for what I saw them go after each other. This one does have its moments of we could have done more, but they took the approach of less is more until they got to the part where they were speeding things up like it was almost in the first one. And I still think that they need some more time together, either in the ring, outside of MOW or wherever they train at to get a little bit more smoother with doing simple moves, simple transition moves. I'm not going to call them botches because they're not really botches, but the transitions in order to make the magic part happen as a luchador sort of gets lost between these two because they know how to do it. The timing is off. So they need to continue to spar together and just really perfect the tiny missteps and the tiny off times because that's what some of the missteps were in this match it's just timing was just a little bit off and that's what sort of hurt them but let me jump into the match and break it down for the good half of this match they were locked in a very strong wrist control by both of them Aramis would get the one up on Arez with the wrist control and then it'll switch back from Arez getting the one up on Aramis. And I'm here like, how can I tell that to my podcast listeners? Like, how creatively can I tell them that without really making it sound like a laundry list? They were really trying to show off who can one-up who in this match. That's why it's a little bit different from the first one. The first one just really had no psychology and you couldn't breathe from start to finish. And then when it finished, you could let out that big breath you were holding, but nothing made sense. Nothing connected. There was no psychology in the first match. 
in this match because it is a briefcase filled with money that Caesar Duran was going to give to the winner after this. I guess it was something. I guess it was the prize that allowed these two men to really do some psychology. It wasn't enough psychology, but it is what it is. For most of the match, they were really working on the wrist control and doing like I said, the transitions that needed some work and to improve the timing just because some of it looked like a little weak here and there. But if you're going to be working on a body part, make sure that you hurt the body part and not just hold it for wrist control to try to gain an upper hand because the breakdown of a match is, yes, you do collar, elbow, and tie up, right? That's like basic. And then you break out of that, you go into a wrist lock, and then you have the guy maybe down on the canvas and you're in control and you switch over to maybe a seated headlock position. Then both of you guys get up. You're in the ropes now and your opponent shoots you off and you come back with a shoulder tackle and there's a drop down heading into a leapfrog and then you guys maybe have a Manhattan drop to stop the momentum. My point being is that if you saw how much time they were doing with the wrist control of who could one up who, who can control the other's wrist, it felt exactly like that opening sequence minus the Manhattan drop. Now, we did finally move on from the strong wrist control in the beginning of the match. And we have... Arez doing the pendulum hold on Aramis and then Aramis decides to counter Arez with his own pendulum hold, which I was like, all right, cool. You switched it into your own. Great. We also get a running razor's edge on the ramp by Arez to Aramis. So he's there for a little bit because that shit had to hurt. Then we get a double stomp to Aramis by Arez. And then a suicide dive from Aramis to Arez. And you see how I'm just telling you guys, this is what happened. This is what happened. That's exactly how the match feels. It's just one thing right after the other. Of course, they take a little breather, but it's not enough to really sell the complete hurt of the move. If that makes sense. They're not really selling the complete pain of feeling some of these moves. Like if you have a running razor's edge done to you on the ramp don't you think that you as a wrestler that would be the perfect time to focus on his lower back and make sure that his lower back is in such excruciating pain that when you decide to put on a submission move he taps out in like seconds rather than continuing to punish your opponent like this goes back to the whole risk control thing that if you wanted to do risk control right if that's what you wanted to start off with cool but make sure that you're hurting his wrist make sure that you're putting his wrist maybe on the mat and like stomp on it or do moves that can injure his wrist if you know that that's going to take away the base power in his grip so that way he can't hook you for suplexes so that way he can't throw you into the ropes and do another move if you eliminate someone's ability to grab something their strength in their hand they are no longer going to be at 100% when they started this match with you before the bell rang and you guys did what you needed to do they are no longer going to 
have any advantages because they can't grip. They have no strength in their hands. So if you really want to work on a body part to do a one up, then you probably should have worked on his wrist, made it hurt a little bit, because at the end of the day, while this is a fun luchador match, there is something at stake in this match. And that's the money briefcase. Showing off what you could do in the ring is awesome. If this was an ordinary match to start the show, go ahead. But because it has a money briefcase as the incentive, then you should kick it into high gear and make sure that your opponent is hurting so you can get the victory and you can get the money briefcase. And then after the suicide dive that I talked about earlier that Aramis did to Arez, there is this one segment in the match where it's counter after counter after counter after counter. I did not write down every single transition counter that they did, but there is a lot of kicks in this whole entire countering. So Aramis was countering the kicks from Arez and Arez was countering the kicks from Arez and so forth and so forth. We get a headbutt by both of these guys and they're down. This is their resting period. And then after we get that, Aramis comes in with a airplane blue thunder bomb where basically he does an airplane move and then does a blue thunder bomb to Arez. Arez kicks out at two and then we finally get Arez hitting his finisher to pin Aramis. Arez gets the one, two, three and gets the money briefcase. I honestly don't like reviewing Arez versus Aramis just because of how the way I have to do it. And it really does not seem to be improving at all when I see them on MOW. I am very thankful of their hard work and their dedication to professional wrestling and to work with MOW. But again, if this is what we have to work with, with Luchador style, it definitely needs to like change again. So that way it can be a lot more smoother and it could be well thought out and not just hey, let me work on your wrist for half of this match. Or, hey, let me do these really powerful moves, but I'm not going to take advantage of any of the targeted spots that you're clearly like, ow, this hurts, in order for you to win the match. Like, I don't know. Again, your winner is Arez, and he gets that money briefcase. After the opening match, we have Alicia Atu interviewing Willow Nightingale. Willow Nightingale and Holiday have been in a feud for the past month, so to speak, and they've been going back and forth. And finally, at the last podcast I was talking about, so the last episode of MLW Fusion Alpha, they actually had a call. They fought for a little bit. And so Alicia is interviewing Willow, and Willow gives her statement saying that she will give you, meaning Holly did, a fight. Can't wait to see how that unfolds. After that, we get Emilio interviewing Myron Reed. And Emilio does not like to give anybody their personal space. He's all up in there. So he's really asking Myron Reed the hard questions. And Myron Reed was there giving him the look of, this is not really happening as the conversation rolls on and tells Emilio to say his name 
and his name is Myron Reed. And the more times that his name is announced, Emilio goes away. And then we have Cesar Duran's girl who reads tarot cards. And I really don't remember her name. I am so sorry. And so she's reading Myron Reed's future in MOW through the tarot cards. And that's a little bit of an eye-opening experience in itself. After that knowledge of what the future holds for Myron Reed, we get a random, so to speak, incident in the back where a Contra member decides to jump Hammerstone. After this, we have our next match, which is Matt Cross versus Enzo. This is probably everyone's favorite match, right? If it is, let me know on social media at Marie underscore shadows or, you know, throw me a voice message via anchor.fm forward slash square circle podcast where you could definitely do that. But I know this is everyone's favorite match. Me personally, it was an okay match. It was an okay match for MOW. And I think that if Enzo wanted to restart his career, he can definitely do it at MOW. And I think it'll be a very good fit for both Enzo and MOW as a whole. I wasn't expecting a lot in this match. I wasn't expecting it to be a clinic. I wasn't expecting it to be a really grandioso type of match. You can definitely tell that Enzo has definitely changed up his style and looks a little bit more smoother and better in the ring than when he did at WWE from like all the stories backstage and everything else. But the one thing that nobody could take away from Enzo is the fact of his larger than life personality. So when he was in WWE, I was a fan of Enzo and everything that he did. It was really different from everybody else. You remember who Enzo Amore was. You remember the catch lines. You remember the catchphrases. It's the same way with The Rock. And I think that's their similarity together in the fact of like they're both good entertainers. But now that Enzo is coming back into wrestling, he decided to take the wrestling part a little bit more serious and get a little bit more polished. I will say that the one interesting factor in this match is that Enzo was controlling the pace and Matt Cross tried to out-wrestle Enzo. Now, from what it looked like, Enzo really did look smooth. He looked promising and it really looked like, you know, he was learning some things from the time of... His WWE departure all the way to now. However, Matt Cross has been built up in MOW as the hardest worker in the game. He hasn't been signed to any major promotions, meaning like WWE, AEW, Impact, New Japan Pro Wrestling. But he found a home in MOW and he's making the best out of it. However, he should definitely have the veterans advantage over Enzo. Just because Enzo has WWE on his resume doesn't really make him the star in the match or the lead in the match when going against Matt Cross on his home turf in MOW. So that's where the weirdest story part came from in this match where Enzo was leading the match with simple maneuvers such as we get into a headlock takeover 
by Enzo on Matt Cross and Enzo controlling the headlock. There was a point in time where Enzo had the one up on Matt Cross and he was trying to out-wrestle Matt Cross. Matt Cross finally gets out of Enzo's hold in order to do a drop kick to him and then a back elbow springboard crossbody to Enzo. Matt Cross goes for that cover, but Enzo kicks out. At this point, I would say that it was pretty even between the both of them, but still that whole leading thing Matt Cross should have been leading everything. Enzo again slows the pace and then throws Matt Cross into the turnbuckle. There's some kicks in the corner. The referee tries to get them out. And then he does. Matt Cross is climbing his way up to the top rope. Here comes Enzo to trip him. And there's a couple chops to Cross's chest. Then we get a double stomp to Enzo's back by Matt Cross. Matt Cross goes for the cover. Enzo kicks out of that. And then Enzo comes in with the offense. Matt Cross comes in with a kick to Enzo to slow everything down, goes for the cover while mocking Enzo. However, Enzo kicks out at two. Somehow, sometime during this match, Enzo got busted open. I don't know how. There is a cutter by Matt Cross. Matt Cross goes for the cover to Enzo. Enzo kicks out at two. Enzo then causes a distraction by pulling the ring apron up and dragging it into the ring. And this distracts the referee because the referee right now has to be like, Enzo let go of the apron. Enzo does. And the referee tries to go and fix it. And while that's happening, Enzo goes and gives a low blow to Matt Cross. And then he does his finisher, which is eat the feet. And then goes for a cover. The referee sees it. And it's one, two, three. Enzo picks up the victory over Matt Cross. And then after Enzo picks up the victory, he leaves the ring. And right as he's leaving the ring, out comes Casey Navarro. Because Casey Navarro was going to be on commentary to talk about the next match. To talk about his recent match with Warhorse and his plans and everything like that. Something nice to be on commentary. However, they have this weird exchange of looks. Casey and Enzo. As Casey walks further away from Enzo, Enzo doesn't like it. Turns around and becomes a full-blown heel and destroys Casey Navarro. To the point where Enzo picks up Casey in a razor's edge and throws him against the steel post. And then while Enzo is proud of himself and he goes to the back, he definitely made an enemy out of himself with the boys in the locker room. And then MOW tells us that they will give us an update on Casey Navarro's condition after what Enzo has done. And now we come to the main event of MLW Fusion Alpha Episode 12. This is the tag team match we have all been waiting for. This is 5150, the team of Slice Boogie and Danny Rivera taking on Los Parks, which is Junior Parks and El, he- El Hijo Parks, which basically just means that one is the junior to the father and then the son is to the son of the junior 
if that makes sense. It was crazy the way that I had to write down the notes for this one, but the match was crazy in itself and trying to keep up with the action was something. This was this was a Philly street fight. And so chairs were being used and a rake was used against Slice Boogie. That must have bothered. Boogie did a leg drop to Junior Parks. Junior Parks then decides to go and attack Danny Rivera after some time. There was a fallaway slam to Junior Parks by Boogie. There was a suplex to probably Junior Parks by Boogie as well. There was a lot of wrestling in this rather than like a full-blown Philly street fight where there's a, like a lot of weapons being used. A sunset bomb by Junior Parks onto Slice Boogie. Danny Rivera comes in to break up the pin attempt. And then Danny does a Spanish fly to Junior Parks. LaParque comes in and does a spear to Danny Rivera. Homicide comes out and starts fighting with LaParque. These two guys will get into it in the last episode of MOW Fusion Alpha for the year of 2021. I'm just doing it now in 2022 because I have time. Both Homicide and LaParque fight to the back. And then there is the assistant backstabber. A drop kick to the chair by Danny Rivera to Los Parks, meaning either Junior or the son. And then 5150 puts Junior Parks into a table. A double stomp fireman carry, which is called the 450 head crack. And that is the finisher that 5150 uses to get the victory over Los Parks. So 5150 goes in for the cover. One, two, three. And the team of Junior Parks and El Ejo Parks lose. And we have new MOW World Tag Team Champions. Congratulations to Slice Boogie and Danny Rivera of 5150 to pick up those MOW Tag Team Championship titles. And then our closing segment is that Alex Kane and his associate arrive to the building. His associate is getting out of the car. So is Alex Kane. And Alex Kane is the new national openweight heavyweight champion. And so Calvin Tankman comes out of nowhere and he hits Alex Kane's associates and he goes right back into the car. Calvin Tegman does not get a chance to hit Alex Kane at all as he gets back into the driver's seat and they all drive off into the parking lot. I was going to say the proverbial sunset, but you guys get it. We don't know what kind of consequences this may cost to Calvin Tankman. All right, guys, that is my review of MOW Fusion Alpha episode 12. There is one more episode to go in this season of 2021 that I did not get to complete fully. Life happens. Life comes at you fast. But I am still giving you my thoughts and my reviews of these shows. And that's also to say the same thing about New Japan Pro Wrestling. Now, let's look ahead in the wrestling world. Today, as of this recording, it is January 3rd, 2022. January 4th and January 5th are night one and night two of Wrestle Kingdom 16. And then on January 8th, we have Noah versus New Japan Pro Wrestling. 
I hope you guys will support New Japan Pro Wrestling, especially Noah versus New Japan, because a proceeds of the pay-per-view money will go directly to the Japan Red Cross. If you feel like giving more for the Red Cross in Japan, head over to New Japan Pro Wrestling's website at njpw1972.com and see how you can further make donations to help them out during COVID. Aside from Wrestle Kingdom taking up the week, we also have the debut of MLW Azteca, a new miniseries coming right at you on their YouTube channel. So head over to youtube.com forward slash Major League Wrestling to watch episode one of MLW Azteca on January 6th. That's a Thursday at 8 p.m. on YouTube. And if you want to support the Square Circle Podcast and myself, Marie Shadows, this is how you can do it. First of all, again, thank you for listening to this episode. I'm just catching up on everything that I've missed. This is still season two of the Square Circle Podcast. If you are listening to this podcast episode on Spotify, make sure to leave a star rated review. This helps the algorithm and this helps bump up my podcast in the list a podcast so thank you for that if you do so if you're listening to this over on the youtube side youtube.com forward slash square circle podcast make sure to give it a thumbs up leave a comment and also hit that subscribe button and that bell for notifications to never miss an episode or a live stream that i go live on youtube And of course, if you have Twitter and you want to continue this wrestling conversation, especially if I load up a spaces, Twitter spaces is amazing. It's just audio. It's us talking and we're having a good time talking about professional wrestling. So if you want to join conversations in wrestling, make sure you're following me at Marie underscore shadows and we could talk about it 24 seven. And the last little bit of plug in is... I am moving away from Patreon. I have said Patreon so many times in the other episodes, but it doesn't seem to click. It really doesn't. And I do appreciate everyone's support if you made it this long into the podcast episode. Your support means that I will be able to upgrade my equipment. It also means that I can create a lot more goodies, whether they are free or whether they are pay what you want. And then I can also travel more so I can cover professional wrestling because that is my passion. So that is why your support is very appreciative. And I always keep it locked in my heart as a special remembrance that the support is real. The support is great. And in return, I always want to support my listeners. And so I'm moving away from Patreon and what I'm going to be doing is having my own Ko-Fi page because that's a lot more versatile than Patreon. On the Ko-Fi page, I have opened up commissions. If you want me to do some voiceover work for you, maybe some Twitch alerts, anything like that, let me know. I'm going to be adding another one about marketing. If you guys want me to make you some graphics or anything like that, you know, you can always 
purchase one there and then i have my shop open on the shop i have 2022 wrestling bingo cards because in 2021 everybody was saying oh i didn't have that on my bingo card or they did have it on their bingo card and they would say oh i had that so why not start 2022 with a bang by getting the AEW and wwe pre-filled wrestling bingo cards and then the blank bingo cards where you could put whatever you want in it they are free for purchasing or if you want to throw a couple dollars my way to help out the cause of me finally getting a new website then by all means go ahead you can visit that at www.ko-fi.com forward slash Marie Shadows. It has the tabs up up on top. Pick either shop or commission and there you go. That's the best way to support me. I am no longer going to be using Patreon. Ko-Fi definitely satisfies all of my needs. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to an episode of the Square Circle Podcast. I am your host, Marie Shadows, and I'll see you guys on the next one.